Welcome to your typical Shonen protagonist. He's Kai, I'm Kels, and today we're talking about Akadama Drive. First off, Kai, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Man, I'm surprised that Studio Puro, in their infinite ability to release anime in bulk, can still put out bangers every couple of seasons like Akadama Drive. Man, who are you telling? Like, that's a whole thing for me. Akadama Drive was one of the biggest surprises for me last year when I watched it. Like, as it, like, I came in at the tail end. I didn't, like, I heard about it. I heard whispers, and then, like, it didn't get that much attention. And I was like, okay. And then, like, towards the end of the season, I saw, like, these, like, glimpses of the fight scene. And I was like, yo, what is happening? So I went and watched it, and I was like, yo, this is freaking insane. Like, this is insane. And it is. It is absolutely wild. So let's talk a little bit about an overview of Akadama Drive. Now, off the top, as is our uh, birthright, we're going to spoil the shit out of this. So yes, very beginning, go watch Akadama Drive. You will not be disappointed, uh, but here's a setup and spoilers uh, for it. So the world of Akadama Drive is based in a neo-future of Japan, kind of a an Akira meets Evangelion meets Blade Runner universe where there are criminals and the justice system is automated and yeah. Yeah, man. So it's basically the fallout of a civil war that ravaged Japan, um, leaving everything kind of fragmented. And it has two regions left, Kansai or Kansai and Tokyo. And in Kansai is a group of like it's kind of like that's the Neo Tokyo like kind of era like punk hazard or like punk rock Blade Runner like you said era. And then Kanto is like the supreme be all that's such behind a wall and all this. So it's really this like these two regions that are left after the ravishing of this war. And you have these people who are called enforcers or executioners. And who are kind of like the police of this world who are in charge of keeping order from the Akudama, who are criminals, basically. And they're all sentenced with these, like, not collars. They're sentenced, like, by amount of years. It's kind of like their bounty in One Piece. Like, you have one character who has 775 years, and then you have another character who has, like, um, a thousand, and, like, the most dangerous one, Cutthroat's 967. So... They have all these years in their senses based off what they do, like, and they get executed, like, every so often, like, public executions. They're just in this building. So, in this world, um, there's this normal girl who is, her name is, see what her actual name was before she, did we get an actual name for her before she became Swindler? Her English name is The Ordinary Person. Yes. Because they don't really, yeah, yeah, they don't really deal with names too much. But um, so she's literally just an ordinary girl working at a factory um, who's just kind of got her life together, you know, working a day job. And she just ends up in this whole catastrophe because she's trying to go, like, pay a fine for her 500 yen, like, that she accidentally got. Like, it started over. See, it started over ramen which I'm Takayaki, just... Takayaki, right. yeah. 
I'm like, all this for some takiyaki. <laughs> Which which in, is which is is wild that, uh, about like the small coincidences of the universe causing ripple effects. You know the whole butterfly effect about you know one thing happens and it spirals into like I don't know everyone dying. Yeah, it's crazy. It's one of those yeah big spoilers alert. It's one of those where everybody kind of just dies. Like it's like it's not like a um what's it called. Uh, a comic a kill where it's just like overkill with the death because I feel like all these deaths are like very sensible like they all have meaning behind them opposed to I mean so does a comic a kill but like a comic a kill people just be dying because it's like freaking Thursday like it really don't make any sense but so um, before we get into each character and all that I kind of want to focus on like just the music of Akudama Drive, which again, Studio Piro, like wet, like I had touched on this when we did our Studio Piro um, podcast a few, like a month or two back. Check it out if you haven't. Really good stuff. But Studio Piro, well, first of all, before we get that, have you seen Dan Rom Panga? Dan Panga? No, I haven't. Okay, well, it's like a very famous game series with like like teddy bear that's like half white and half black and like yeah. super evil, like a death game thing. This is the creator of that who's really good at this type of stuff. So, but the music in this is so you've got the theme song, which doesn't really prepare you what the show is about. Like it's very technically techno-y, and it's got the cool visuals. But then, like, you get in the first episode, it's kind of, like, dark. But, like, the OST and everything, like, doing the fight scenes and just the sound design, I feel like they did a really, really good job. Almost, like, surprisingly so compared to what the other stuff that was being put out by Studio Pirot, Piero, like, over the years. Like, when you tell me this is the same studio that gave me Tokyo Ghoul Re, like, I'm very dumbfounded. Very much so. But that that's the secret about it, is it's not the studio that is exactly the problem. You have a bunch of different people making decisions, and certainly the producer, the director, the the lead staff coordinating the project can be at fault. And it's the studio who put them on the project, but uh, they are just so big where they can put out stuff like Tokyo Ghoulery um, and... Akudama Drive. Yeah. I mean, they also put out Black Clover, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised because we saw Black Clover being extremely polarized towards, you know, the ending where it looked amazing and, like, the OSTs were hitting like crazy, which they always were. But, like, the ending compared to, like, the middle looked totally night and day. Like, even with Boruto, I hate to say it, they did a really good job of stepping up their animation, like, towards recent years. So... Like, they can do it when they want to. Um, and I guess they just really wanted to with Akadama Drive. But moving on from the music, how did you, like, how did you feel about the character design? Because that was one of the most intriguing things that got me to watch Akadama Drive was just how good it looked. Yes, I, I like the character designs, the variety of styles and individuals we see with our main cast of 
um, Akadamas. I also, I love the way that the entire world looks. Um, the kind of cyberpunk universe where everything is dingy, but we color it in neon lights uh, just to give it some kind of life and distract you from the grit you know is behind it um, is done so incredibly well. Like the uh, the fight where we had the um, the girl executioner along with her master. Um, like the hotel the room? Yeah, the hotel room where we introduce the executioners, and it's like the first real fight scene we get to see yeah. uh, between this new force with the executioners and the Akadama. Um, and the whole way that they were, um, her and Brawler were fighting on the interactive floor, how it would ripple, and then yeah. they went into the like moody mode for the room, and everything turned blue, and fish were swimming around mid-fight. It's fucking wild, man. Yeah, like in the footwork, the detail, which we'll get into that a little later, but like I really enjoyed that. And like the scenes of it, because when you see like Brawler's design is so cool to me because as a person with dreads, like I've seen a lot of bad dreads in animation or just like thick logs moving, but the fluidity of his dreads and his movements were crazy. Like, and I gotta say, as much as I hated Doctor's character, like, her design was freaking great. Like, I loved her kind of, like, Harley Quinn-esque, like, sexy vibe, but also, like, her demeanor. It was, it was a fun time. Like, and Hacker... What's that? Go ahead. I was gonna say, Doctor reminds me 100% of, um, it's not Vanessa. It's, uh, I'm over here talking about, uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Elizabeth? Uh, no, not Elizabeth, the wizard. Oh, Merlin. Yeah, Merlin. Yeah. Definitely that same kind of, like, all-powerful slash, you know, sexy slash in control. I can see that. I really could. Like, I now that you said that, I could 100% see that. And that's crazy, like, because it's true. Like, and then you have, like, characters like Cutthroat. Who design are like their design so plain, but it like really works. Like how he's like pure white, and then you see when he gets that blood on him and everything. You're like, okay, the contrast. It's it's pretty crazy. And freaking, I need to talk about Swindler having two different fits, like her episode one through eight fit and her nine through the end fit. Which I gotta say, I'm not really a fan of short hair, like ever, but like. It really works for Swindler. Like, I really messed with it. Totally. And because it comes in a, a, a plot decision point about her being like, well, I've got to make a change because um, everyone's seen me with my long hair. So I have to cut it off to try to, like, change my appearance as much as possible. Yeah. And the whole plot point of Swindler, which I guess we should say for when we get to the characters, but, like, I really enjoyed that. And is there a design? I don't know if I already asked you. There's a design that you liked more so than someone else's, like your favorite design. Um, I kind of liked Hoodlum's Hoodlum's design. Um, because he really, of all of the characters, he really spoke to me in like a JoJo's Part Four vibe. Not um, that. 
and and with the variety of, of artistic colorings throughout the design process for the whole show, along with his character design itself, it reminds me of exactly like the delinquent vibe um, from JoJo's Part 4. I agree. I agree. Um, Brawler, again, me being biased, Brawler and probably Courier have my two favorite designs, but I also really mess with Doctor because of who I am as a person and she has step on me energy. So it is what it is. Um, but shout out to Hulum for sure. And I gotta say though, like I feel like hackers design is what strangely entertaining, like prefaces to be in all of his character makes. He wants to be that edgy guy. Like it's still kind of like a, kind of like a, I don't want to say like a nerd, but like kind of like just a whole type of thing. A whole ass nerd that is also like a bad guy slash good guy. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like that's what he goes for with that type of vibe. I could see it. Okay. So I wanted to blow your mind with this. That's why I, I didn't put it. it in the rundown. And if you oh, already knew fuck. this, then I'm going to feel like super bad. <laughs> I'm going to tell you I don't know it. All the titles of the episodes are movies, like heist movies. You know, I I kind of noticed that with um, specifically Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. But the beginning portion of the show is 100% a heist movie. We assemble the team, and then we go on the mission that is, you know, a sudden swerve at the end. Like, because you've got got Seven, you've got Reservoir Dogs, Mission Impossible, Speed, Dead Man Walking, Brother... The City of Lost Children, Black Rain, The Shining, Babel, War Games, and the last one is the title of the series, Akudama Drive. Which is pretty great. It's it's great to like be able to resonate with something, uh, certainly in like a different culture. Yeah, no, I was like, it's kinda has that JoJo vibe of like, you know, the episodes being musicals, like what yeah, was like the the influence of the culture I know being taken and added and adapted um in a whole nother way is that one of those like incredibly exciting things yeah no and it was really cool to see that especially with this and that's why i feel like it has such like a cool vibe to me i feel like it has learned from so many we'll just talk about this now because i to me akudama drive is an instant classic i feel like the second it came out it was an instant classic as it finished, just where it placed and everything. And I know that you have a different opinion, but I feel like for me, it might be because it's taken so many influences from those things that I love and that are established as classics. Like you said, Evangelion, um, freaking Akira, and even with the naming convention, that could have been an ode to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So that might be why I get that instant classic like feel from it. But for me, it just feels like it was something so, like, different that hadn't been done in, like, recent years. Like, you said you had mentioned B&H earlier as something that it kind of was reminiscent of. Yeah, so, uh, for me, I would say it falls in the same place for me with B&H. Not that it is really anything to do with relating to B&H, but certainly it feels like it's in the same kind of vibe of... B&H is a great, fun show 
you know, kind of unique, uh, but it, for me, feels just like it's Studio Trigger doing more Studio Trigger stuff, which has its place. It's really fun, but it's not, like, groundbreaking. It's not, like, mind-blowing, other than Studio Trigger just escalating forever, um, where this is kind of hits me in the same vein. We, we've got a great kind of universe to work in. Uh, the whole Akira, the whole um, Evangelion vibe of the government is making decisions about the way the world functions and you, the uh, lay people, should just continue living your lives unless you're a criminal in which we have a way to deal with you. Uh, but we have things going on behind the scenes that are achieving grander goals that you don't need to know about. Just stay in line and achieve the dream. No, but that- we find out that the the dream of making it to Kyoto, uh, Kanto, excuse me, um, for the lay people over in uh, Kansai is not what it seems. Like yes. with the whole train, the whole train gimmick for the first heist is okay you've only got 20 minutes from the time it leaves the station to the time you suddenly don't exist anymore yeah which that whole thing in itself is wild and that is that you have to so you have to allegedly be in this like pressurized like like atmosphere and all this and like there's this whole thing of like all these channels you have to go through like this is your last chance before you do this and do that then you find out your consciousness is like basically uploaded because Kanto is literally like nothing. It's just a whole void of everything. It's a digital space. Well, it it's not a void of everything, but the train to Kanto converts the humanity within yourself into data and uploads it to the the collective consciousness. Um, so we start with that whole swerve being, if you make it to the decontamination zone, you just die. Yeah. And then it turns around, you don't just die, you get added to the collective unconscious, uh, or the collective consciousness, and that is a physical existence that, like, you can go to, because they do. Um, but, like, that whole total, like, we're just going to add humanity to a singularity is totally an Evangelion plot point, which is cool to see. It's great that, okay, uh, Utopia is not what you expected to begin with, and that's not, like, accepting the perils of life where you are may be better than dreaming for something that doesn't even really exist in the way you thought it does. Um, Yeah. But equally, we've already seen this exact thing happen. So, I don't know. Certainly... My opinion of the whole show is it is a great time. Well executed. It's beautifully animated. The art styling is unique and they tell a good story. Uh, but Insta Classic for me, not so much. That's fair. That's fair. Um, like you said, it's just, it is something that I had to, I experienced before I took back in Evangelion with the rebuilds, before I watched BH. Like there was like, and I think it was the fact that it reminded me of a classic and gave me that feel as I had, which makes it a classic for me. It's like, or something that could potentially be looked back upon as a classic. Because I really like just the plot point of, like, the kids 
like big brother and little sister or brother and sister. I liked what was going on with them as how they had to be, you know, they were the cargo. They were being transported to Kanto to be kind of like the walking vessels for the consciousness of all of Kanto, which was crazy. And how, like you see, basically for them to live, they had to go through hundreds of other like males and females to just produce these two like they're oh yeah these two kids are totally like human experimentation to produce two immortal children yeah and like what the fuck is going on there yeah that's the thing because even when um i forget who it was but when brother had told someone you can hit me if you like or you can beat me um that that'll make you feel better or something and i'm like that was hoodlum because hoodlum rolls up and he's like um brawler's dead and he's like well didn't say everyone was gonna make it back alive and hoodlum's like i'm just gonna fucking smack the shit out of you yeah and brother's like you could do it if you like it doesn't really matter we're fucking invincible yeah and the fact that brother more so just cares about sister making it out is Kind of heartwarming, because he's like, you know what, like, as long as you live, I'll be fine. And the fact that they kind of adopt a relationship with Swindler, like, sister is 100%, like, almost, like, like, she's just so innocent. Like, it's so cool to see, like, in this world of, like, depravity and all this, like, sister's not ignorant. She's kind of still just keeps that innocence about her, which I really enjoy, that there's this sense of like moral like just maybe not even morality but just like a sense of i haven't been tainted yet like because brother he's all you know he's already all what's the word um i don't want to say antagonistic but like mopey not mopey um nihilistic nihilistic yeah he's already he's already like that like and all the other Akudama, of course, are like, yeah, this is our life. We accept it. This is what it means. And, of course, you've got um, Swindler, who's kind of just like, yeah, just like trying to. But Sister's like, you know what I mean? She's that one character who is like, I don't really know any, like, because it's, you understand what I'm saying? Because I'm not trying to say, like, ignorant. Yeah. She's yeah. like uh, almost well, well, blissful. She, well, it, it is certain. Yeah, I would I would argue that she is certainly ignorant of the world, but yeah. only because she was produced to be a fucking like hard drive and is only really experiencing the world right now. Yeah. And hanging out with what are technically criminals, but they are working their hardest to like save brother. So we do get to see like her relationship with uh Swindler as a way to learn what other people are like, people that are kind, um, and the whole conundrum of, I was treated so well by uh, Swindler, but Swindler is an Akadama. So, like, what does that mean? You know, the the moral question of, uh, you are technically a criminal, does that make you a bad person? Yeah. But no, certainly, on your point about Sister, like, the hope she continues to hold that they will keep hustling and they will survive is something that that is important compared to brothers uh continued anguish yeah no 
hundred percent. And I gotta say that moving into since we're already talking about sister, like let's move into the characters. Like so the Akudama are more importantly like our heist team, you know. Uh Swindler, Courier, Brawler, Hacker, Doctor, Hoodlum, Cutthroat. Um and even if you include brother and sister in that, they're kind of really our main cast. And like from episode one, we get to see them being badasses, which is just so cool. Like how they all are summoned there by this like anonymous message. Like, hey, get here. And the fact that, you know, that Swindler's only there because of Courier. And well, she's not even there just because of Courier. She's there because like she's just has unfortunate luck i think she's just there because she's got a report for her theft of takiyaki and then she ends up becoming like goes to the next floor or something and just kind of ends up in the middle of this heist like like, yeah so the the minor detention cell like room gets blown up because like robots get thrown into it from the chaos going on outside with brawler just kind of taking on all of these robots to save Cutthroat. Um, and then she goes off and chases a cat, which is like, okay, cool, great. Yeah. And that cat just happens to be the mastermind of this whole organization, which is, okay, your first job is to save Cutthroat. And then they save Cutthroat. And then they all end up with these collars on them from Black Cat, which is also brother. And it's like, hey, uh, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to kill you. Like, you know, in Suicide Squad fashion, you know, it's a detonating, like, detonation thing. And if you do, like, complete it, I'll pay you, was it like 100 million yen or something? Or 100 billion, like 1 billion, some crazy amount. And it's just funny to me because it's like with this system, the money will be utterly useless because of how the system is set up. So I just find that quite hilarious that like, yeah, money still plays a contributing factor when there is nothing really we can do with it because we're all registered in the system. And yeah. Well, I mean, that that plays into like the the black market stuff, because we see like when Swindler is finally documented as an S class Akadama, she goes and tries to buy some Takayaki for a sister when they're on the lam and they're like finally back in town and no one really notices them, um, it pops up the moment she tries to pay for the takiyaki. Hey, uh, you got an S class uh, Akadama here, and that throws wrenches and everything. But like, if you've got someone who doesn't really care if you're an Akadama, yeah, you just want to make a bunch of money then I assume it would work, but certainly. Like, you can't just roam the streets and pay for stuff if you've got this kind of the worst criminal record to ever document. Yeah, no, like 100%. So, um, so yeah, that's the thing with them. Like, still, they agree to do it for money, but you get to see, like, everyone being a badass. You get to see Hacker being able to hack anything to get in there, like Brawler's innate crazy strength. Like, Courier's a resource and to do to get the job done. And you got Doctor, who is basically fucking immortal. Or, like, just... The the level at which she can heal and, like, fix herself. Like, we see her head get cut off, like, in the series. And she just reattaches it, which still 
blows my mind how mm-hmm. she did that. But she's like the Harley. I wouldn't even say like a Harley Quinn character. Like you said, she's like a Merlin. But she's just so like her betrayal, which like I'm not gonna lie, I didn't necessarily see it coming, but at the same time I did. Like it was one of those things where I was wondering why she was working with everybody else. And then when she betrayed them, I was like, Oh, well, okay, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but no, certainly her uh the twist with her betraying the team once they were free from the murder callers like okay well very technically they are all criminals so i i'm not surprised that this one who has been murdering people just suddenly wants to turn me over and like get out like get a pardon yeah uh, which is wild that uh doctor gets a pardon and then continues to murder people and is like you can't do anything to me because i am now an ordinary citizen and that is the okay. flaw of their system yep uh but no certainly the the character progression of uh of all the characters with brawler having like his only driving goal is to like find a better fighter to challenge himself yeah and he gets to do that uh which unfortunately takes his life but like the that singular driving goal is kind of uh malice free now he is a murderer but uh it's kind of a fun and respectable goal um hacker is same vibe like i want another challenge i am and when he decides to go off once we know what's going to happen about if you take the train to kanto you will not be alive anymore he takes the train to Kanto to see what happens and find a new challenge for himself. And like these, these decisions, um, like even, um, swindlers, swindler comes to grips with her role as an Akadama. Yes. Like at, at the end of the, this show, we see her go through all of this stuff, go through the hard times, make the decisions has to kill people in order to protect herself and sister. And all of this influences her acceptance of her as an Akadama and fighting against the system. Even if she doesn't have the power to win, the power to kill the executioners, she still has what she is now. She's now the swindler through and through. Yes. And we get to see the results of that. Man, another thing that hit so hard for me was when Swindler died. And that's when you saw, like, her wanted thing. Like, her, like, little cutaway that everybody had. Like, and she didn't have one. And then when she finally embraced who she was, when she got, like, ran through, that's when you saw her little yes. cut thing. And I was like, ugh, like, that just hit so hard, man. And, like, normally I hate endings where everybody dies. I'm like, I feel like... I won't say I feel like that's like a cop out, but like as I get older and I get more in depth with storytelling and understand, I'm like, okay, like this right here is it's crazy. Like when you can do that, like, you know, like the whole of her, like her 
Like the fact that she was smiling because she had the final hurrah. Like the fact that Hacker had given her the present and like, hey, like I'm gonna this is gonna get broadcast to everybody. Like she's literally a martyr. Like she is literally her death is the yes. catalyst. And it's so dope to me. Like it's so dope that I mean the the imagery uh continue and we'll we'll talk oh, about no, it. Oh no, you go ahead. Like I was basically saying that. Uh, the imagery with the cross and her getting like stabbed with the lightsaber and like nailed to the cross of rubble. Yeah. Was pretty on the nose. But you know, other than that imagery, which it exists throughout other anime. Yeah. Um, because the concept of a martyr, you know, is kind of a, a, a exists in Christianity. Um, it totally works because we then see um the hacker camera on her phone broadcasts the death of what she plays up as she's just an ordinary person yeah and the uh, the the executioners go oh yeah we see through your bullshit uh stop playing please die they kill her and everyone everywhere thanks to hacker sees that just another ordinary person gets murdered by the executioners after a riot was quelled by virtue of the executioners just killing a bunch of people. A bunch of regular people tired of the criminals coming and wreaking havoc in their area, but they were then deemed criminals and then murdered in mass. Mm-hmm. So the, the regular people are like, fuck this shit, we're gonna riot again. Fuck the executioners. And it's to the point where the police commissioner, I assume, or whoever the person is who yes. deems people as that, kills himself. Yep. He's like, I can't win this. Like, he blows his brains out. Like, and it goes to show the parallel and kind of the metaphor and euphemisms of, you know, what a corrupt society, like when absolute power and absolute control corrupts, like it was a very good view and stance on that. Like I, and that's one of the things that put this series in such high standing for me was that that was the message delivered. Cause yes, we had saw in other shows that, but I felt like the way this was done and the fact that like, yes, Swindler was a Akudama, but that's what she had to become after she was deemed one. But also on that same note, you see like courier current, Courier had a really good death to me. Like, I'm still trying to figure out who my favorite, as weird as that sound, like, who my favorite death belongs to, or that belongs to Courier or Swindler, because... Let's... Go ahead. Let's, let's circle back to that, because one of those things that happened during the uprising of the regular people against the executioners, uh, before that, it was just against the the... Akudama, who yeah. was coming against them. The second time was against the executioners, which we had seen just murder regular people and are now trying to do it again. Uh, who now have just done it again because Swindler's chess match of being killed. Um, the little girl we see in the first, um, the cleanup of the first riot. Yeah. The little girl who's like, my, my dad. And then the cleanup crew just throws her aside and tells her to get out of the way. And then the next one, the next riot, she walks up and fucking caps the the new guy of the executioner. And like the the one with the eye patch is like, what the fuck are you doing? And little girl's like, why did y'all kill my mom? 
why did y'all kill my dad? Mm-hmm. They were just regular ass people. Mm-hmm. And that that shit, man. The little girl, other than her murdering somebody, uh, the little girl was like an incredibly intense moment. Yes, because it was. That's what it was. It was like, why? And it was when you see, like, to me, that was like a parallel to the memories that we saw in episode 11 of Courier's childhood when he was being taken care of by a woman who raised and fed him from, like, his childhood. And granted, yes, she was Akudama, but she, like, took care of him and, like... You know, that's why. Yeah, cer- certainly an, an example of the perpetuation of the system, creating more and more Akudama, which are just, at a certain point, just simply labels ca- put on people because they didn't have the resources to not become Akudama. Yeah, which is a huge commentary on, like, society, as it is right now, like, all over the world, like... How many criminals are criminals because they're bad people? And how many criminals are criminals because they made bad choices to survive? Like, you know, and that may not necessarily have been a bad choice, but the only choice they had at that time, like to eat or to live or something like that. And what an Akudama is, and even I believe the question is asked, you know, what is an Akudama? Like in the final episode, someone asked that and... It's really crazy because Akudama, I believe, translates directly into devil um, in Japanese, I believe. Um, a quick. I am scrolling the wiki as we speak. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, literally um, can be translated into bad guy or villain. Yeah. So the fact that that is questioned upon in the series, <clears throat> excuse me, is a... Another good, like, I really like how there's, and it has that, like, Evangelion-esque, like, commentary of, like, making you question what is right. What is right. Um, again, that's why I enjoy it. Um, I would I would say that this certainly does a, a great job of revisiting the, the ethical questions and the universe of... Uh, psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Psychopaths is this whole uh, utopia where you are judged and uh, c- like called a criminal if you simply have bad thoughts. So it's all about thought crime. You didn't hurt somebody, but the likelihood that you were going to, based on what you were thinking about, suddenly makes you a criminal. Yeah. This one is more of a you did a thing. And certainly in the case of, like, um, Swindler, it was a misunderstanding, but then she's in the system. Yeah. And is that, like, with the way that the the system works, suddenly you are just making more and more criminals. Yeah. And, like, the exploration about that. Suddenly you are now a criminal, and by virtue of crazy circumstances, like, having to be involved in a fucking heist, you escalate your crime status. Um, and are you wrong? Like, are you a bad person just because of the bad circumstances? Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about fights right quick, man. Yeah, no. So (sighs) fights in this are crazy. Like the fight choreography, the fight, like scenery and Sakuga is 
something to behold. My favorite fight is definitely the fight between Brawler and the Executioner Executive uh, in the rain, like kind of in the warehouse factory district. Like that, yeah, is, that abandoned uh, park. Yeah, abandoned amusement park. Yeah, that is that was like one of the cleanest fights of last year, I believe. Like, and one of the cleanest fights I saw in a while. Just like the steel frame, the like amount of like care and detail into the fight. Like that's when I was talking about like Brawler's hair, like actually flowing in the correct way, like just and like it. It was. It's so good to not see like beam struggles and like super powered fights. Like sometimes it's just Which we do we we do get to see a beam struggle, man, and it's in the best, most wild way. Yeah, we do see a beam struggle. You're right, you're right. But it's the only one in the entire show. Yes. Man. It was clean though. Like I didn't think the bike had that much energy. Like But no, totally, to your point. Um the variety of kind of realistic plus fighting styles and um it's not extra supernatural it's just don't think about it too hard with uh, the lightsabers and the extra strong strength of all of the characters they're fighting they're having a good time being extra strong don't worry about how yeah like in like that fight is standoff. I really enjoyed the fight between, like you said, the fight earlier between Brawler and the other executioner in the room where it's like the scenes are changing and the colors and all that. Um, that was a fun fight. Uh, yeah, with the with the apprentice. There's like really three ish big fights with the uh, with the executioner with yeah. the execution division master and apprentice. Um, we also have that middle fight where they jump onto the train as they're about to do their train heist and put a wrench in everyone's plans. Yeah, that was fun, too. That was, I think, the fight in like episode four or three, three or four. Um, yeah, the Mission Impossible fight. Nope, yep. nope, that was the one after it. That was um, episode four. I was right. But yeah, no, that fight was really cool. Um, and seeing like everything Courier did on the bike was hype as well. Like. Seeing the bike come to him, respond, man. Like when that bike shot out grappling hooks for the first time, I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I was like, yeah. but uh, then I stopped thinking about it, and I had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as much as I hate to say it, like Cutthroat was clean. Like he was a very messed up character, but like his fight style was very clean. Like him, excuse me, him like going all at it, like with the. Uh, Doing all the sleight of hand shit. Yeah, like, and he was ranking up them bodies when they got to the precinct. The fact that he, like, went and killed everybody in that precinct, I was like, holy crap, like, there's a reason he's, like, the most wanted criminal. This man is a problem, like, and... And I, I like how they played that. Like, I liked how they played his character, like, because we knew he was literally insane. Um, But... We kind of got a tease that he liked uh, Swindler. Yeah. And was kind of, like, infatuated with her. And then, of course, it turns out, it, it turns into the infatuation was with the opportunity to kill her. Yeah. Which is true to his personality. Yeah. So having him suddenly be an antagonist and an obstacle 
for Swindler, uh, achieving the goal of reaching brother, uh, made sense and it really worked. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And seeing, I thought it was really cool that Swindler was the one to kill him too. Like, I didn't necessarily see that coming. I thought that someone, another Akudama, was going to step in and take him out. Um, but like when he started talking all that mess about the red halo and like chasing her, I was like, yeah, like it's going to be someone going to find a way to do this. And I think that was like, wasn't that the only like death she had to her name? No, she killed at least two of the random assholes that were like, yeah, we're going to take the kid and sell her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they found the hideout. Oh, true. True, I forgot about that. Uh, in the in episode Black Rain, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that was also a really good episode. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the fight scenes but, were good. Uh, yep, fight scenes were excellent. Um, wrapping up. I did, final thoughts. I did want to ask you though, like, did you have a favorite yeah. death? Like, did any deaths stick out to you more so? Um, I really liked Swindler's death. Like, other than, okay, Swindler's dying, and um, Courier's dying, what does that mean for the continuation of the story? So we only have the children left. Yeah. Um, I, I liked how Swindler's death finally played into, like, her character being an actual Akadama now. Yeah. Like, in a, in a point of pride and not, like, a criminal sense. Um... I really liked the comeuppance that Doctor got when um, she had turned Hoodlum into her lackey, and then immediately insulted, like in the in the final Mexican standoff uh, that she was involved in, she insulted both Hoodlum and Brawler, where um, Swindler was like, uh, "No, Hoodlum loved the shit out of Brawler, and Brawler or er, and." Like, he was the greatest, they were the best of friends, and I know good and well that if Brawler saw you now, he would think you were a punk bitch, but you're not, because you are exactly what Brawler thought you were, the greatest motherfucker, so don't be hypnotized or whatever. Yes. And then Hoodlum turns around and, like, everyone starts, like, shooting and dying, and Hoodlum rolls up on Doctor and stabs her in the throat while Doctor slits Hoodlum's throat. So Hoodlum dies, but is all like, you were right, brother. This is the greatest shit. I miss you so much. Yeah. And Doctor goes to work on herself, you know, trying to, like, tie back her carotid artery and, you know, not die. But then a flood of civilians roll into the train station and just trample the shit out of her, and then that's how she dies. It's pretty wild. I love it. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I love it. And for me, like, I actually really enjoy Courier's death. Because, I mean, it's the whole Itachi thing of you never know what type of person you are until you die. And the fact that Courier, you know, completed his mission. Like, he completed every job. Like, even to the end of the results of his life, you know. He got those children to the safe place. And then he gave them, like, his most prized possession. And he was like, keep going. Then he went back and he faced that like helicopter thing, like while his bike was exploding and dying on him. And then he dragged out the gun from the bike and started fighting, man. Like Courier went out like a true G, like you know, like, used his own robot arm to like help guide the railgun. 
yes, bruh. Like, they all went out like, geez, minus the doctor, because she was a hoe, and that's what she deserved. Not because she was a literal hoe, but because no. she but, yeah. did a bunch of stuff, yeah. Um, and Truly through. evil. Yeah, of course. But, like, Hoodlum, Hacker, man, Hacker had a good death, too. Like, I don't know, like, the death. Both times, man. Yeah. Both times, because we thought he was just, like, gone, gone. Yeah, like, Hacker, Hoodlum, Cut, or Hacker, Hoodlum, Brawler, Courier, and Swindler all had, like, some real OG deaths, and that was just, like, I was satisfied, you know? I was, that 12 precise episodes super satisfied me, like, and when you tell a story in 12 episodes, like, you know, that's, I feel like, what gives you that, can give you that 10 rating for me, like, when you can have that, like, Bunny Girl, like, freaking Astra of the Lost, which I'm gonna make you watch next season, because so good but when you can really do that that's when we get to talking like that 10 territory for me certainly um i agree uh, wrapping this up totally 12 episodes 100 percent worth your time you want kind of a world to experience and an adventure to happen in it akadama drive is a hundred percent all of those things it is a love letter to heist films and crazy action and character does both character design in their art and also character design in them as a personality that is unique um i agree with you it is great um i would give it eight or nine on my list well that's fair 100 fair like i definitely encourage you guys to go and watch this if you want something if you want a good 12 episode anime, you know, and if you want to feel some things and if you want to be like, if you just want to sit back and be like, holy shit, that was good. Like, but you don't have time to watch one piece. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I think that's it for me. Uh, watch this. Enjoy it. And let us know what you think at all of our outlets that you can contact us on. And those outlets are Kels. Yeah, man, you can catch the show on all of your podcatchers we're talking spotify itunes amazon podcast which is currently our number one location gang gang uh, per downloads uh at your typical show no protagonist or on twitter at your tsp that's u-r-t-s-p kai you got a twitter too yes you can find me at static dreads with a z um come out say <laughs> stuff uh let me know where you from like i want to talk i want to get in i want to engage let's do it also, you can catch me uh, and Kai every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on twitch.tv slash corporate kabuki. Currently, we're playing through the Dot Hack PS2 franchise, currently on Dot Hack Infection, working ever so slowly on prepping for our Dot Hack episode. Um, you can catch the other product too on all your podcatchers at Content Breaker for general animation greatness. Uh, we will catch y'all next week for more Your Typical Shonen Protagonist.